0: Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast with Dr. David O. O'Gaga. Understanding God's plan for the church this particular season, I want to believe that God will help us to understand a few things that will assist us in our work and in our various ministries. Amen. Going to a simple definition of the word church to start with, and uh, we have this common passage which is Matthew 16, reading from 16 to 18. How that uh, Jesus told Peter, Upon this rock I'll be my church. So the word church is what I feel we should first define because talking about God's plan for the church. So, what do we mean church in the first place? Now, the word church from that passage is ecclesia. I'm sure almost all pastors know this. The word is ecclesia. And ecclesia simply means a calling out a calling out, or a called out once. People who are called out. And this is very important. It also simply means a popular meeting, a gathering of people, religious congregation, a Christian congregation, a community of believers. All of this simply means church. So essentially it means a called at once. Hallelujah. Now, As it applies to Christians, it means those who are called out of the world. Being called out of the world doesn't mean you are no longer existing here. But you are called out of a system. And you have to understand something that anytime you are called out, there is a the reason why you are called out. And like I was going to make us see, individuals can be called out. Amen? Okay, let's take the scripture again first. Acts chapter 7, verse 38. Acts 738 talking about Moses this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel we spoke to him on the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us this is he talking about Moses that was in the church in the wilderness so in the wilderness there was a church And you should be able to understand how the church in the wilderness came into being. Why is it called the church in the wilderness in the first place? Because it was a call out of a people from Egypt. So those that God has called to himself forms the church. And in this sense, it's very important you understand that God can call an individual. An individual can be a church. I'll give you a scripture on that. If you look at Isaiah 51, from verse 1, the Bible says, Hearken to me, ye that go after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. He said, Look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. And he now said, look unto Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. For I call him alone. And bless him and increase him. I call him alone. As the first thing you need to understand. Now, you know the call has to do with what we find in Genesis 12. From verse 1. To 2 Genesis 18 17 to 19. You can just write those down, but you know that. Amen. I called him alone. From where? Okay, let's look at something. Joshua 24. Joshua 24. Look at verse 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to seek him. And called for the elders of Israel, and for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. So, what do you think is happening here? God called Abraham, remember in Genesis 12, he said, you come out of your father's house, come out of your kindred, come out of your tribe. Remember that? Come on, how are you doing with me? All right, you come out. What was the purpose now? Because God called Abraham, automatically Abraham was a church. He was called out of a family system. He was called out of a worship system. He was called out of a tribal cultural system. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. Are you catching this? So Abraham was called out. And so the definition of the word church means a called out once. It simply means Abraham was what? A church. Now, what was the purpose of God calling Abraham out of where he was? So that through him you could start another generation for God. He was to build another community for God. God said through you to the nations of the every place and he said I will give you a name. Are you getting that? Good. So he was called out so that he can start another community entirely. What is that supposed to mean? When God calls you out, he has a purpose. When God takes you out from the system you're in, he has a reason. There is something he wants to do with and through you. In fact, he wants to reveal what is not in existence, if you will. He wants to bring forth his mind and intents that others have not seen. He wants to reveal his mind to other people to whom you've been living around with. So you have to, first of all, understand the purpose of your calling. You are not called to be the same and to have the same culture, if I may what with the very same people you were living with before God called you. You exist in the system to reveal God's mind for those people that you are believing living and staying with. Are you there with me? So Abraham was called out to reveal a different culture entirely from where he was. Remember, there were idol worshippers, Like we find in joshua 24. the father was an idol worshiper the grandfather was if you you don't mind and i know from record that i've read abraham personally was serving all of those gods that his father was worshiping record houses that abraham's father had all 12 gods in the months i mean in the year every month one god and abraham was involved in all of this worship it was from the midst of those idolatry that kind of system that god said you come out what is it? I want to reveal my own system, my own government, my own culture, my own economy. I want to make you see that the gods here, the fathers are worshiping and are not the true God. Now when you come out of that system and bring forth a new order into the world. Are you following me? So when God calls the church fault, it is to reveal what has never been there. We have to understand that. And you as an individual, I can be called out one from your family as well. This is very critical. That is why if God calls you out, you don't have to be thinking about where you are coming from. Because if Abraham were to have any thought of going back, he would have had the opportunity of going back. If God calls you out, you are a church in the hands of God. He has a reason why he calls you out. Listen. God called, if you will, Martin Luther out of the Catholic Church. That was a church out of the church. Come on, are you following what I'm talking about? And it has been there all the way. I can give you the history, time will not permit us now. The shift, the Presbyterian, the Wesleyan, you know, the Methodist, all of that. It's a call out from one system to the other, according to Hebrews 1, which has to do with the revelation of one of the shares of the truth of God's word. Anytime God reveals the truth, there is a call out from the system that was existing before. And one of the reasons is because men are stagnated by a partial truth of the whole truth. Are you following me? This is why you find that even if you're Pentecostal, you must understand that that is not the end of the journey. There is still a call at once from the Pentecostal church to reveal the church of the man-child. You see, you take time to read the book of Revelation chapter 12, you're going to see the picture of the man-child. It, the man-child was given back to her by the woman that have the 12 stars upon her head. I don't know if you remember that. Now the, tw- the woman with the 12 stars, the moon under her feet with the sun is the one that gave birth to the man-child. But the good picture that you see, the Bible said the man child is the one that will go to rule the nation with a rod of iron, not the woman. So the man child is being called out of the woman. And that is another church. It is a church that is coming out of the woman that have the rod to rule the nations, not the woman. Are you following me? So anytime God calls the people, he has assignment for them, he has a job for them, and there is something of his fullness that he wants to reveal. You have to understand that. So if God is calling you out from a system, you better stay on what God wants to do with your life. Can I hear an amen? Because if Martin Luther has compromised his faith, some of us wouldn't have been talking about being Pentecostals. We all would have been born Roman Catholics. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying God wants to move. God wants to do some things and he has to reveal himself to him at that particular time. And when he shifted, there was another shift in the spirit dimension. And from there, other ones begin to take off. So if God is calling you out, you're sure this is God's voice, you better stay on what God is saying to you. Can I hear an amen? amen. God is not going to reward you because you are obedience in one system that he's already moving out of. No, 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 no. The reward of Abraham was not on the ground of the father. He was going to be loyal to his fathers. God was going to reward Abraham like he said. I call him alone. I bless him alone. I increase him alone. Because he has a purpose in mind. Can I hear any amen? Praise the living God. So I want you to understand it. That God can choose to call you out. From your own system. That you may be in now. From your family, you you need to understand that God has a good intention if He wants to do that. And there is something He wants to do with and through you. I'm defining the word church. So get the point right. What is a church? A call at one. It could be a corporate people, it could be an individual. Isaiah said, Can a nation be born in one day? The answer say what? Yes. And what was that one day? That was when God spoke to Moses and they all left Egypt one night. So a nation was born one day. Are you following? All right. So out of that one man that God called, called Abraham, the church, which is now a congregational church, was formed. How was that? Abraham... Isaac, Jacob, 12 tribes, can you get that? It was the 12 tribes that came out of Egypt that God called the church in the wilderness. Are you following me now? But the call was first, what? One man, that one man gave back to Isaac. As he gave back to Jacob, Jacob gave back to 12 tribes. That is why sometimes people get confused and they say Abraham was a Jew, Abraham was not a Jew. I mean, if you understand that. Because the Jews are simply from the tribe of Judah. Abraham, Judah was a grandchild of who? Of Abraham. So, Abraham was not a Jew. You need to get that. All right. Let's look at the function of the church just a little bit. Exodus 19. The church in the wilderness, the one that Moses pastored. Exodus 19, verse 4. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now that is very important. I will say this, and there's a need for you to pick it up. For you to establish a valid doctrine in the Bible, you must have what I call the principle of a double witness. Get it right. We have two convenants. And the Lord said in the book of Exodus, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, shall every case be what established. You can't take a doctrine from just one passage of scripture. That is not accurate. It's not valid. What I've just read here is God is speaking to Israel, which is one church. And he said, you, you better watch it on how you see how I bore you to myself, not to a location. On ego's wings. Can you get that? Now what did Jesus say in John chapter, chapter 14? I'll take you to myself. To a person and not to a location. Does it make sense? The first church was taken to a person. He becomes their husband. Second church is taken to a person. He becomes their husband. Next in verse 5. Now therefore, if you obey my voice and do and keep my commandment, then shall ye be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Begin to capture that. I'm taking you to be a peculiar person to me among all people, on the face of the earth. Verse six, And it shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that I just speak unto the children of Israel. Talk with me to Deuteronomy chapter seven, and verse number six. It says, "For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto Himself above all people." that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor chose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. Are you getting that? I chose you to myself, not because you were more, but you were fewest. It's like what Paul was writing in the book of 1 Corinthians, talking about How you need to observe the Lord did not call the noble, did not call the mighty. He has called the best things of this world to confirm the wise. Can you get that? Same principle. Same principle. And don't forget what we're saying. If he calls you to himself, what have you become? A church. Deuteronomy 26, verse 18. And the Lord has avowed thee this day to be his peculiar people as he has promised thee, and that thou shalt keep all his commandments, verse 19, and to make thee high above all nations which he has made in praise and in name and in honor, and thou mayest be an holy people unto the Lord thy God as he hath spoken. Amen. Praise the Lord. So you begin to see as God called forth the people. Remember, when he called Abraham, he glorified him, he raised him, he exhorted his name amongst all people. And out of that one man that he called, he called forth another church, which is without rather called the first church now. He called forth the first church, and what happened? He said, I am going to glorify you. I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to lift you up. Man, these are some of the things that you need to begin to understand. That if you're truly sure, God has called you to himself, expect an exhortation. I wish I can hear an amen to that. You know why? Because he said, those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. You are not expected not to be glorified if God truly calls you. Jesus who pray and say, Lord, glorify thou me. And the Lord say, I've glorified thee already. Why? Wow, because I'm going to give you a name that is above every other name. And in the name of Jesus, every name must bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Can you get that? So if God calls you, expect a glorification. All right. I'm going to touch a few things still on that because you see if God calls you to himself one thing is certain I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not do what prevail Hmm. maybe we'll talk a little bit but let's make progress some of you get so frightened about your church You, you get so worried you you do what I call spiritual warfare because one witch or one, one spirit wants to demolish your church. Man, you don't understand the church that Jesus is building. The gates of hell cannot prevail against this church. Do you understand? It's not about you, it's about Him. It's not you building it, He's the one building it. Look at what He told Abraham a church. If any man blesses you, He's blessed. Whoever calls you is what? His cause. That's a church. <laughs> Are you following me? It's not about you. That you have been preserved and your church is intact had nothing to do with those things you call spiritual warfare. I'm sorry to say. Bear with me. <laughs> All right. So that was Abraham a church. That was uh, the church in the wilderness. Let's look at the present day church as well. The present church. The present church is chosen out of the first church. But let's read something here. First Peter 2. first Peter 2. Verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. royal your priesthood. A holy nation. Notice that. It's always a nation in a nation or among a nation. A holy nation. A peculiar people, same description you find in Exodus 19. Are you there? That you should do what? Show for the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into what? His marvelous light. A chosen, Ecletus. By implication, you're a favorite person. Does God have favorites? Sure, He does. That's the meaning of the word chosen, Ecletus, favorite. Hallelujah. Amen. Elect. That's what it means. Now, when we talk about generation, we're talking about kinsmen, individuals. It's like people born into the same community, just like Abraham was in his family. Abraham was called out of a generation. Did you get the meaning? Praise the Lord so you could be called like i said in the beginning from your generation to become another generation now it's very important you understand that if you call out of one generation don't think about what is in that generation You can i make a declaration here if you call out of your generation or generation you were born into then there is no cause in that generation they can follow you to the other side you are called out of it you are completely free Because this is a call from one generation to start another generation. So you cannot come with the things of your past generation to start a new generation. When Abraham was called out from idol worship, there was nothing about the idol worship that followed Abraham to the new nation that he was building. Do you understand what I'm saying here? He talks about a royal priesthood. The word royal actually speaks of kingly nature. When they call you out, imparting to you a kingly nation. And that is why the word rod in Revelation 12 have nothing to do with a big stick with which you kill the nation. No, 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 no. It speaks of a royal staff. Some days we'll touch that. Hallelujah. And then he talks about being a priesthood. That is a kind of sacramental order. Priesthood priestly fraternity. You know what Levite was in Israel? Aaron, high priest, with honor and dignity. Then he talks about a holy nation. The word nation there actually means ethnos, which is tribes and people of the same culture and characteristics. Right? We are a holy people an ethnic composition in the midst of ordinary ethnic structures in the world. That's what Christianity is all about. Hallelujah. Are you following so far? Okay. All right. No, no, no. I want to... Enough all of that. Let me just quickly go on. So how is the church established? This royal priesthood, this call at one. How is it established? Let's take a look at something. Again, Matthew 16 and verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. 17. And Jesus answered and I said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, about Jonah, for flesh and blood I have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art the Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Right? We're talking about how is this new church established? You know, Peter actually speaks of a stone or a fragment of a rock. Amen. Actually it talks about you're just talking about that which is of strength, stability. God used these natural things to describe his own church. Rocks are stable and strong. But think about it. This is a rock that comes from a bigger rock. Is that okay? And you must understand that if you get a stone or a rock from a bigger boulder, I mean big structure rock, the composition of the bigger one is what you find in the smaller one. Does it make sense to you? You get a little stone or pebble from a big rock. The pebble will have all of the same structure and features that makes up the big one. Am I right? So if we are caught out of Christ, that means we have all of that which is in Christ within us. That's our root. Anyone that is called out receives the nature of he who called him to himself. I've explained this to you sometime, I believe. See, when God called Abraham, he was Abraham. How many of you remember that? He was simply Abraham. And I tried to explain this to you sometime that in the true sense, Abraham is not the father of Ishmael. Some of you go about saying, well... It is what Abraham did that is giving us all these problems. But you need need to be informed that Abraham is not the father of Ishmael. The father of Ishmael is Abraham. The father of Isaac is Abraham. The Bible says, sacrifice unto me your one only son. God didn't say sacrifice to me out of the two. He said to your only son. That means Abraham had one son. And that is Isaac. The father of Ishmael is Abraham. Not Abraham. Do you understand that? And when God wanted to bet Isaac, he changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. He brought the H, which is in Yahweh, and added it to the Abraham and made it Abraham. And the word H is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So what God did, he brought his own life and nature and grace into Abraham and He betted Isaac. And he did that same thing with Sarah. From Sarah to Sarah, he added H from Yahweh. Yah. Huh? <laughs> that is why in the book of Psalms, the Bible said, the chariot of the Lord are thousands and thousands, and he rides on them with his name Yah. Have you read that? Psalm 68. <laughs> Some other time we can touch that. But that's what I'm saying here. Are you there with me? So he said, upon this rock, Peter, Petro, upon this rock, upon the revelation of who the Christ, the Son of God is, I will build my church. Amen? And he said, the gates of hell, which means the machinations and the powers of the invisible wall, the gates of hell. The machinations, the powers of the invisible wall, have no power or can prevail against the church that I am building. Amen? In ancient times, the gates are actually the place where councils are put together. What I mean, uh, people decide, elders come and sit by the gates and begin to talk. That's why I say the Bible says the, the virtuous woman husband is known by. Gates, not staying at the gate. No, no, no. What it means is when you sit with elders to discuss their affairs, they recognize the husband or the virtuous woman. I don't know how that works, but that's what he's saying. So, when we're talking about gate we're talking about people who take decisions. And so, what he's saying here, the power of negative forces, we have nothing to do with the church that Jesus Himself is building. Can I hear an amen? And if you are a church of Jesus Christ, I want to give you this assurance today. No power of the enemy, no gate of hell can prevail against you. Hallelujah. So whatever you call Satan, no, 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 no. They have no power to prevail. I remember some time ago when we were young in the faith, I mean, just building started. And um, here was a revelation that came to me and said, look, somebody is standing on your gates. And that is why people are not coming to the church. I say, Oh, fine, I think I know who the person is. He said, I know you won't believe. I said, Why wouldn't I believe? I said, The first thing, let me explain this to you. If this church belongs to Jesus, then no man, no woman can stand by the gate to prevent people from coming in. Then number two, the thing you see standing for people coming in is this old structure that we are using. By the time we move out of here, the woman will be gone. Are you following what I'm saying now? That we're staying in one upstairs, small place, outside was not plastered. Who wants to come and worship in a place like that? That was the woman that was standing by the gate. It was an old structure. Place was not decent. Are you following what I'm talking about? That's why you make it well, place of worship, make it decent. So that old women will not stand by your gates. Are you following what I'm talking about? Like it needs. Now, here we are today. The woman is gone. We didn't pray about it. Are you following this? So look, get your mind off, man, something is happening, this is that and whatever. No, stay with God. Know that this is not my business. it is his business. Can I hear? Amen? Okay, I'll be my church. So this refers to the custom of building in Judea. On a rock, often very, very firm foundation. That's just the main thing. Okay, let me say one or two things about this. The true church of God, like I've saying, cannot be stopped. Isaiah fifty-four. Let's look at verse seventeen. You know that before, isn't it? No weapon that is formed against thee shall do what prosper, and every tongue that rises against thee, thou shall I do what condemn. They say that is the heritage. I want you to pick that fault. It is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me. Heritage is not what you work for, it means you've inherited something from God that it is practically impossible for any man. Hallelujah. That is the church of God. So your righteousness is of me. What is the righteousness that we're talking about? Christ is what our righteousness. There were no weapon that formed against you shall prosper. Not even a tongue that rises against you. He says, you are the one that stands to condemn every tongue that rises against you. So don't live your life on the basis of fear and intimidation of what anybody wants to do to you or to your church. Can I hear an amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Alright. Okay. That's okay for you. Let me show you the early church that Jesus started, few things, and you see how it works. When he says, The gates of hell cannot prevail, that you understand certain things that even the early church, all that men tried to do to stop the church from advancing, could not work. How I many of you can remember that? Good. The Sahendrins will come, the people will come, the Pharisees will come. Let's look at Acts chapter 6, verse number 6. Acts 6, verse 6, and the Bible says, when they set for the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. That is the Dickens, who read this morning. And the word of God did what? Increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient to what? To the faith. What priest is this? It's not just talking about some people. Even those who were on the other side, they came to join with the new church. This were the priests. Priests of the old order. Are you following what I'm talking about? They came to join with the new church. That's what I'm telling you. Men are going to come join you up. Stand on what God is saying. Believe God for your church. That he sent you. He called you out. And there is something he wants to reveal in your vicinity. The old priest will come join you up. Hallelujah. And they were obedient to the faith, to the new thing that God was doing, to this new church that He was building. So you find that the old church was the foundation of the new church. Because the old church were now the people populating what? The new church. The gates of hell cannot prevail. In the midst of what these Pharisees were trying to do, are you following what I'm talking about? May you are going to increase. Can I hear them? amen? (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. Look at Acts chapter 12, verse 24. in you know, all these things we're doing and still defining. I've not started talking about <laughs> the purpose yet. We're still defining the church. Are you following me? <laughs> Acts 12, 24. But the word of God grew. This is after the death of Herod. You know what Herod tried to do? Is that okay? The Bible says, and the word of God grew and did what? multiply the word grew and multiplied there was a forceful advancement of the word of god through the church that was being built by who by jesus christ you are going to advance Amen. you are going to advance Amen. hallelujah when you get to ephesus in act chapter 19 look at verse 20 after the miraculous Show of Paul, what we call unusual miracle that came out of him in Ephesus. What's the next thing that you read in verse 20? Act 19. So mightily grew the word of God and did what prevail. Now you see, look at that. The gate of hell cannot prevail. Now the word is doing what? Prevailing so it means the world is advancing the gate of air cannot advance against the church the church is one that's meant to do what to advance praise the living God so mightily grew the word of God and prevail the church has what it takes to prevail upon the face of the earth no matter what you see going on there is a prevailing power right within the church hallelujah Come on, are you there? Okay. Let me look at something. What is it that we are actually supposed to be doing? What is what is it that we are? I mean, the church was meant to be. Listen, the word of God prevailed. That is very important. Remember, you are called to show forth the praise of the Lord upon the face of the earth as a royal priesthood. Is that okay? Okay. Look at Isaiah, I mean, Psalm 145, verse 11. Psalm 145, verse 11 the world prevailed. They shall speak of the glory of their kingdom and talk of their power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of what? Of his kingdom. This is, this is what these people were talking about you know the Bible says they were just declaring the message of the kingdom of God and there was that forceful advancement the world prevailed what was it that we're supposed to be talking about the glory of God are you sitting that with me right look at it they shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of Thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty arts and the glorious majesty of what Of his kingdom, summary of what we are supposed to be preaching. The glory and the power of God. Hallelujah. Are you following me? And the Bible is making us understand as long as the early church was declaring what the kingdom is, what the power of God is, there was a forceful advancement. The Bible said the word of God prevailed. Hallelujah. So we're talking about declaration of God's glory. With the extension of his knowledge and the perfection of his intents in the world. Remember what he said. Teach us to pray. Mighty six. And he said, When you pray, say this Our Father, which is in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Did you get that? Good. Here, yeah, what did he say? they shall talk about that glory and declare, what, thy kingdom. And as long as we can do that, there will be a forceful advancement of the church on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. They shall speak of the glory of their kingdom. The glory of a kingdom normally is synonymous with the power of that kingdom. Is that all right? You know, the Assyrian kingdom was their mighty army. If you look at the book of Isaiah, is that okay? So the glory of person's kingdom talks about its power. And what is the power of this kingdom? Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. How many of you understand that? So sometimes you need to ask yourself, what do you teach? What do you preach? We have left declaring the power of God, the kingdom of God. What we declare is the Is the if I will magnify the enemy at the expense of the power, the glory of God. Hmm? Hallelujah. We do all manner of funny things in church. We've left the truth that we're supposed to be declaring. That is why we are not forceful, that is why we are not advancing. Again, you need to understand, in the early times, the power of a kingdom consists basically in the number of its subjects and the sufficiency of its revenue to maintain them. That's why in the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, a dwindling population is a shame to the king. Reading from the Living Bible. A dwindling population is a shame to the king. Because early times, the strength of a king depended upon the population because if they have to go to war, we have more than enough armies to fight the wars. I am not know if you understand what I'm saying. That is why you must be aggressive in so winning. We have to advance the kingdom. We have to get more people to come into the kingdom. In so doing, you are expanding and bringing glory unto who? Unto God. Many of us have a lot of people come to us, they know nothing about God, all they know is about motivational talk and positive thinking. Church is not a place for positive thinkers, I'm sure. We think based on the mind of God. I'm not saying we shouldn't think, but you don't conjure things. I I was sharing with one of these pastors yesterday. Some of you think, you know, they tell you dream, dream, dream. How many of you know what it means, dream, dream, dream? I'm a dreamer. I'm a dreamer. What, what is dream? You know, we think dream how to do with, when you conjure, you imagine. I want to be this, I want to be that. Motivation I teach you all of that. There's nothing wrong. Fine, go ahead. But friend, the truth of it again is God gives dreams. It's not something you conjure. Are you sitting with me? God gave dream to Joseph. God gave dream to people. You have to understand, God gives dreams. In fact, dream is one of the functions of the Holy Spirit. I shall part my spirit upon all flesh and they shall dream. Come on, did the Bible say so? If some of you go to bed, you have nothing at all. You sleep like somebody who is drunk. You wake up the next day empty, no understanding. God revealed Himself through dreams, not positive thinking dreams. I'm not talking about that. This is God talking, this is God revealing Himself to you. Let me show you something good is very powerful along this line. Get me, Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse number 1. You need to understand something here. Look at this. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder. Can you see something there? Dreamer of dreams equal prophets. Do you see it? Come on, am I talking to someone here this morning? You can dream yourself into God's purposes for your life. You need to understand it. Dream is as powerful as being a prophet. How many of you understand that the whole book of Daniel was written based on dreams? Maybe some days we need to teach. On how God speaks. We're already dealing with that in church. Hearing the voice of God. And this is one of the areas that you can hear the voice of God dreams. I'm not talking of the things you conjure enjoy. Are you sitting there? Jesus had a dream, and the father said, Do you mean myself and your mother and your 11 brothers will bow down to you? The future of Daniel was revealed. I mean, Joseph will reveal through what? The dream. Make you see, those of us who are here, why you don't have accurate dreams, you need to understand. We'll teach you. All these are principles of the Word of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. Look at the next thing. He said to make known. We're still dealing with Isaiah there. I mean, Psalm 145. Huh? All right. Talking about to make known, to delight themselves, Commend your God and your Father. But let's get down to Isaiah 49. God speaking to Israel here. Look at it. Isaiah 49, verse 6. And he said, Is it a light thing that thou should be my servant to raise up the tribe of Jacob and to restore the preserve of Israel? I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that I may be my salvation unto the end of the earth. But let's take it from the message. Very interesting there. Talking of God calling you out with a specific assignment. Is that alright? He says, But it's not a big enough job for my servant just to recover the tribe of Jacob merely to round up the ask trees of Israel. I'm setting you up as a light for the nations so that my salvation becomes global i like that come on did you get this i'm setting you up as a light so that my salvation become what global that's the major calling of the early church god's intent is to reach to the ends of the world and he wants to use his church to do it do you understand it? That is why you must, you must be properly positioned for God to send you wherever He needs to send you to at any point in time. Let's take a few things on this. Don't know how long I still have in this section. Let's see the early church through people like Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 17. That my salvation may be global, so we're talking of something that is global in perspective. We're not talking of something that you know you, you have to believe God that God is sending you into the world. Acts 17, 6. You know the story here, Paul and Silas. And the Bible says, when they found them now. The Jews, that is Paul and Silas now. Um in Ephesus, just in how to hire them the drew jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city saying these that have torn the wall upside down are come hither also i want you to understand what the church was supposed to do when you become the light to the wall the men have tore the wall upside down have come here also what do you mean tore the wall upside down let me just explain very quickly Let's look at it from the message translation. Remember the people here were the hardliners of the Jews. Hallelujah. Are you there in verse 7? I mean verse, Acts 17 verse 5. Message. But the hardline Jews became furious over the conversation, of the conversions, made with jealousy. They rounded up a bunch of brawlers of the streets and soon had an ugly mob terrorizing the city as they haunted Paul and Silas. They broke into Jason's house, thinking that Paul and Silas were there. Mm-hmm. When they couldn't find them, they called call Jason and his friends instead and dragged them before the city fathers, yelling hysterically, these people are out to destroy the world. I like that. And now they've shown up on our doorsteps, attacking everything we hold here. That is the issue. And John C. hiding himself. These traitors and turncoats who say Jesus is king and Caesar is nothing. That's all, they will, that's all their trouble. And that's what it means to tell the world what? Upside down. So to turn the world upside down is to lift up Jesus. Did you get it? In the true sense, we are turning the world upright up, if I may use the word, not upside down, because men are already upside down, but we put them right. He said, look, I'm sending you as a light to make the salvation of God global. What is God's salvation? Christ take it to the world, take it to the nations are you hearing me that is what the church is all about they are saying Caesar is Martin Jesus is the ultimate what do you preach we're talking about what the church is made up of what the church is really called to do remember what God told Abraham I'm raising another generation out of you is that okay and they is told to the children of Israel, out of you, though small as you are, you're going to be a light to the rest of the nation. Any time God calls you, He wants you to show a light that people have never seen before. So if you're called out of darkness, is that because you have light to reveal to those people that have never seen your light before. It is corporate. It is individual. Like I said, you could be called for just for your family. It is meant for you now, or left for you now to bring light to your family. Said out to Paul, I'm calling out from among the people, and that I'm sending you back to the people. You know, what I'm getting you out of the Jewish setting, I'm sending you back to the Jewish people to reveal the light that I'm going to reveal to you. Are you following me? That's the purpose of the church. It's not all this jumping and dancing and whatever we're doing. Look at the Apostle Paul here with Silas, they were turning the world upside down. How declaring that the true king is who Jesus Christ and not Caesar. Praise the Lord. Let's get now to something. How many minutes more do I have? Oh, five minutes. Thank you, sir. Okay. Talk with me to 2 Corinthians, and I want to read the Amplified. Second Corinthians 10. Okay, beautiful. Thank you. Look at verse 3 with me. Amplify. I want to read something that some of us may know. How would I have a 3. For though we walk, live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare. How many of you have read it? Our warfare is not with flesh and blood. You've been reading that. You've been teaching that too, isn't it? But let's just examine it today. What is this warfare thing we're looking at? You know, somebody called me a few days ago and said, we're having this all night on this spiritual warfare. We're to pull down strongholds. I said, okay, pull them down. Be sure you come out the next day fresh and better than you went into the warfare. Amen. Look at this. For we, though we walk, live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh, using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God, for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. In so much as we refute what is it? Arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself. Up against the true knowledge of God, and we have led every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of who? Of Christ. That's your spiritual warfare. Anything that stands against God's true knowledge, you bring it down. Not demons. Stronghold is not demons. Stronghold is something you hold here. Remember what you read before in the book of Acts? You say they are destroying and overthrowing that which we hold dear. Systems, culture, belief systems that are standing against the revelation of Christ. That is what your own knowledge brings down. And that is your true spiritual warfare. Are you listening? I have nothing to do with you fighting devils, you fighting demons, you pulling down, you know, you're talking about principalities, that have nothing to do with Paul's Paul writing about Paul's writing based on what he has experienced even in Ephesus. When he was lifting up Christ and saying it is not Caesar, it is Christ. And the people say, man, this is what we stand for. This is our belief system. Why are you turning us upside down? That was the problem. Are you hearing me? So the church is meant to reveal the light of the gospel in the face of Jesus to the rest of the world. Making them to understand that our culture has nothing to do with God's kingdom's culture. That is the warfare. Is it simple? Hallelujah. Come on, are we together? Yes. No, we get confused when we talk about you know, spiritual warfare. You've heard this before? Our weapons are not cannon. I'll be able to explain all of that to you. The weapons we're talking about is nothing but truth. revealed truth that we use to demolish error. Are you following me? Let me show you something here. Remember, we're turning the world upside down. My salvation will be global. You will like this. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at just two things there. 22, 23. Relation to this. Praise the Lord. He is in charge of it all. Talking about Christ now. Has the final word on Everything. At the center of this christ rules the church amen the church you see is not peripheral to the wall the wall is peripheral to the church the church is christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he feeds everything with what his presence what a role what a role can you get that the church is christ's body in which he speaks and the what acts by which he fills everything with what? His presence. Now, he said the church is not peripheral. It's not at the circumference of the world. It means the church, the world should be at the circumference of the church. The church should stand out. The church is a city that is set on a hill. The world should be looking onto the church and not the church looking onto the wall. He said the church is not peripheral to the world. The wall is peripheral to the church. Come on, are you there with me? So, when we are demolishing, we're putting down strongholds, bringing down wrong thoughts, wrong imaginations, misconceptions, useless tribal belief system, culture that does not uphold the sanctity of the gospel of Jesus. We're bringing them to raving knowledge. That's what we're talking about. That's your spiritual warfare. Come on, are you there with me? Nothing to do with you getting some bottles and praying some things inside and breaking it at the junction. Man, these are voodooism in the house of God. Hmm? Carrying broom to sweeps. What, well, I don't know. What's wrong with you, friend? Hallelujah. Okay, next five minutes, take this. Second Corinthians 2. Let's look at a few things about, oh my God, got so much here to say, but... All right, we can pick up from there. Second Corinthians two, look at verse fourteen. Message, message translation. We're talking about we reflected the glory of God. Is that okay? Because that's what he said, what we read in Ephesians. But could you feel everything with His presence, which is His glory? Second 2 Corinthians 2, 14. and I got it. Thank God. In the misery, in cry, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Can I hear an amen? amen. Through us, He brings knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the esquity fragrance because of Christ. We give off a sweet scent rising to God, which is recognized by those on the way of salvation—an aroma redolent with what with life. Now, what are the weapons we are using? Let's just read this before we close this section. Second Corinthians six verse three. But don't forget, everywhere we go, there's something we're distributing. What are we distributing? The aroma of Christ. Is that alright? Okay. Second Corinthians three. I mean six verse three. Hallelujah. Giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things in, in, approving ourselves. As the ministers of God In much patience In afflictions In necessities In distresses In stripes In imprisonment In tumour In labours In watching In fasting Note verse 6 By pureness By knowledge By long suffering, By kindness By the Holy Ghost By the love of faith I'm describing your weapons of warfare right here. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and what? On the right left hand. Can you get that? So your weapons are right here for you. These are the things you use. When you're talking about spiritual warfare, these are your weapons. What are your weapons? Check it out again. Pureness holy life by knowledge knowledge of Christ by long-suffering by kindness by the Holy Ghost by love not pretend that love not pretentious one, by the word of truth by the power of God by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and what on the left hand this is what we use in pulling down strong goals are you there with me praise the living God so when we're talking about strong God, we're talking about false belief system things that have been introduced that have nothing to do with God praise the Lord so when we're talking about being true God pulling down strong God, true God we're talking about knowledge of God that we have received with which we demolish our false system and belief system that have held men captive all the days of their lives no understanding of what God is doing in their lives. Nothing. Amen. So I'm just gonna be running up here. Strongholds again are strong fortification of arrows and of sins that are being battled down, destroyed by the revealed will and knowledge of God that we have received. Hallelujah. Come on, are you there with me? Those are strong goals. Errors. Long years of beliefs. And some of them are also in the church. And I'm going to go into all of that. Are you still there with me? But these are the wrong doctrines, wrong erroneous teachings that have established themselves, and they control people, and, and God help me. Hallelujah. But these are the things that God wants you to pull down. God wants you to transform lives. He wants you to move into the city. He wants you to move to the nations. Talk to people. You know, evangelize people. Evangelism is not a matter of are you a smoker? Repent, you know. I was I just chatting freely. Let me just say this. Sometimes when we look at the world, who is, who is an unbeliever? He has a question who is an unbeliever? What is a wow? Unbeliever is a man is in the street that is smoking and drinking. Is that true? Oh, serious. You know, but the Bible said they could not enter because of unbelief. And they were believers. But they could not enter because of unbelief. So, who is the unbeliever? An unbeliever is a man who does not believe in what he was supposed to believe in. You are in church, you don't believe in the world, the world cannot walk in you, you are the unbeliever. The man in the street is dead in sin and it Dead people can't respond to stimuli. The law is not given to a dead man, the law is given to people in a community. The Bible is not given to the man in the street. It's given to the man who is a believer. The man who will not follow the structures of the Bible is the unbeliever. The man in the street is dead in sin and trespasses. So you can't go and tell him, do you know God? Have you repented? Repent from what? This man is dead. Are you following what I'm talking about? What is sin? Sin is to break the law. The Bible says sin is a transgression of the law. You give a law to a citizen of a community. You can't take the laws of Nigeria and rest the money in Cameroon. Are you listening to me? Except you are in this city or in this nation, the law of this nation cannot have effect in your life. So the man in the street cannot use the Bible because it's not written for him. The whole Old Testament was written for the Jewish people. The New Testament reading for the Christian believers. There is no book for the man in the street until he comes into the house. He's dead in sin. He's not a sinner. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Praise the living God. But God wants you to go with light and cause them to know that there is a better and a higher life. Can I hear an amen? You don't need to be living the way you are living. You are living because you are dead. You need to come alive. Some of you need to have the kind of power that Jesus had to raise Lazarus. You just go toss the unbeliever, if you will. Toss the man that, that is dead Let him come back to life. Let you receive a new understanding and a new inspiration. Every thing in his life begins to drop. Knowledge is power. How many of you understand that? Knowledge can transform you. It can awaken you. It brings you to who you are really, ultimately supposed to be. Come to think about it. How did Adam die? True knowledge. How are you supposed to get back to the place of dominion? True knowledge. Want me to show you? And I go. Colossians 3, verse 10. We stop there at this section. But let's take it. How did Adam die? The eighth of the knowledge of good and evil. Are you still there with me? Come on. Colossians 3, 10. What do you see there? Put it on the board. Praise the living God. It's very easy. Look at it. I put on the new man which is renewed what in knowledge after the image of him that did what Come on are you there with me that created him How did Adam die the ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and he died How are you supposed to come alive you partake of what another knowledge the knowledge of him that did what created him so you die through knowledge, you have to be revised through what? True knowledge. Not more. See you on the other side.